Welcome to Shooting Bumpets, the only Star Wars D6 podcast in the galaxy. And now your host, Daniel and Don. Welcome back to Shooting Want Rats, the 2017 edition. I'm Daniel. I'm Don, and we're still live. Believe it or not, folks, we uh, we had a we were just discussing this before we started recording. Uh, we have a little bit of a communication breakdown amongst the various. What's the what? What would you call the crap that we have experienced over the past year? It has been a, an interesting year in review. How's that? There we go. Much better. And uh, I came to the realization it was not Don. It's me. <laughs> He's right. It's all him. <laughs> it's all him, people. No, no. In all, I mean, I don't think there's anybody that probably hasn't known this. Last year, I, uh, I got sick and uh, spent about a week and a half, almost two weeks in the hospital. And then another month, kind of like on bed rest at the house. And uh, though I fully recovered from that, um, it just took a lot out of me. And I mean, it was probably, oh, goodness, it was like November before I even felt like doing any content or creating anything or, you know, even picking up a role playing book. I mean, it just just I don't know, just kind of like sapped my creative and physical energy. And uh, but now I'm back. I've been slowly doing things. And of course, with me, it's sort of like a snowball effect <laughs> i do a little bit and i do a lot more but i do a lot more that it consumes all my time how about you daniel i had a seizure back in may uh, now i have been officially diagnosed with epilepsy i'm bringing into some very serious emotional issues uh, i'm gonna leave that part of that uh, but you know it's 2017 it's time to Start looking forward, and uh, the muse has slapped me in the face. And I'm working on a new campaign for Wednesday nights. And I am, I'm ready to really crank stuff out now. Yay! Daniel, get ready to crank stuff out. Well, I'm glad to hear that, man. I really am. So let's go ahead and make this a, an official ad for the campaign. Um, well, hey, wait a minute. Back up, man. You know what you were talking about? How you had a seizure earlier this year? And that reminds me of a cartoon that an old roommate of mine had in, it was a Hustler humor. And uh, for you guys out there, I may not know, Hustler was an old mm, gentleman's magazine. How's that? Gentlemen's. And anyhow, I, well, I think once a year, I think they, they, well, they were really known for their sort of a bit of a crude humor that they had. And um, I remember, I, th- I think it was like once a year, once every couple of years, they'd collect the best of their, you know, sort of borderline humor. And they threw it in one magazine. They called it Hustler Humor. And I will remember this till the day I die. At the time, Little Caesars had a mascot, which was a guy that ran around. He's like, had a big head, like an egg. And mm-hmm. uh, he wore a toga and he'd always go around going pizza, pizza. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, in this cartoon, it had this old guy with a cane um, and he was dressed up just like the little Caesars guy. Uh, you know, he had the little, you know, the, the hair on the side and the, and the world. Anyhow, and he was like kind of shaken. <laughs> and, and the name of the building was Little Seizures. Oh, <laughs> I'll always remember that. All right. Daniel, tell us about your game. What day of the week is it on it? When do you plan on starting? What is it all about? Tell me! Um, if you're going to be so pushy, you know. 
I'm sorry. I don't mean to do it. I, I mean, I, 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 it just happens, man. Now, 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 do it. Do it. Um, do it. Do it now. It's going to be January 24th, 7, maybe 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and the idea has hit me from binging a certain Star Trek. <laughs> and I came up with this idea that the players are going to work as a a scouting slash expeditionary party into the unknown regions. You know, so it gives me a chance to really stretch the imagination and I'm not going to really be working too much with established content in this. Yeah, you're going to see some familiar places and familiar aliens. But you're going to see a lot of new stuff coming out of it. Nifty. So, what era is it set in, or do you really have one? If I know you, it's going to be nine years after A New Hope, ah, set fun. during the New Republic, probably just before Admiral Thrawn shows up, right? You know, that actually wouldn't be too bad an idea. I'm, I'm, one of the things that was really hitching me was the whole uh, timeline concept. Um, I know I still want to remain within Legends because there's enough established material there, at least for base. But do I really, really want to stick to after uh, 4, 5, and 6? Go with Legacy Era! Legacy! Yeah, I think that would do it, actually, believe it or not, especially seeing as you've made me read all the... I mean, uh... I read almost all those comics. I'm done with the last three issues, finally. But it, I mean, it's, it was weird that now, now I'm going off on another track that the, that the series seems to end without an ending. Um, but the, I, I like that idea. Make them an expeditionary force from the Fell Empire. Well, I mean, either that or they could be working for the uh, Jedi Enclave. Ooh, ooh, yes, establishing a new home for the Jedi. Right, because, I mean, they, they have one established, but, you know, they're always probably always looking for fallback mm-hmm. uh, places. Another thing you can do is something I just read in uh, Cataclysm, which is the, um, the canon book that comes right before, or I'm sorry, it explains um, Galen Erso's backstory leading up to Rogue One. And uh, an interesting thing there, they had things called legend worlds in those. And uh, these were actually planets that were, I guess, uh, they'd be like federally protected lands in the U.S. now, uh, which is basically, for whatever reason, this planet was uh, said, you can't can't change it, you can't do anything to it, you can't uh, take its resources, or if you do, it's highly regulated. Um, Anyway, when Palpatine took power and uh, they're going off and they're creating the Death Star, uh, they are using up a lot of resources. So they are essentially strip mining entire planets for certain resources. And some of these resources end up being on uh, these legend planets. But an interesting thing I just read the other day in a passing paragraph was that the Jedi actually knew quite a bit about some of these 
stranger planets out there and that they hadn't established some type of protection on them. Now, I'm not really sure if that protection um, was something that was a legislative one through the Senate, uh, similar to a legend world or not, but that would be an interesting thing to do is perhaps they have some of their information left over from the Jedi archives and they are trying to go back and try and find these a number of these Jedi legend planets that no one has gone off and explored or taken a look at in like the last 130 some odd years or whatever, depending upon what era you're, you're playing in. Mm-hmm. Just an idea. That's pretty cool too. Yeah. Well, you know, I've got ideas. I got ideas that come out my butt. I'm like, there's an idea. Uh, it doesn't smell too good, but it's an idea. Ideas for miles. I have ideas of aroma. Yes, I do. Even my aroma ideas are good. There you go. So speaking of which, like you said, you, you, you're planning to start up a game here pretty quick. I just started up a game um, of which we just had our first game on the ooh, Sunday, January 8th. And I was actually quite surprised. There are nine people in this game. And I actually ended up turning away three or four. Kept them on an alternates list, but I had to turn away three or four. And uh, yeah, uh, it, it turned out it, it ran even better than I expected. Um, and of course, it's a it's a roll twenty game, so we're doing it online, and we're using Google Hangouts to uh, communicate. So uh, it turned out really, really great. Really super happy with it. Looking forward to that. And that one's going to be a round robin GM game. So after a certain point, you just kind of pass it off to somebody else, and they kind of like add their spin to it. Mm. So it should prove to be pretty interesting. And uh, if anybody is curious what I'm running, I am actually running the Star Wars introductory game um, adventure, Freedom for Eden. Now, here's the thing about Freedom for Eden. I had read through um, the rules and stuff like that when I, you know, over the years, I've, I've read at least that. And I think I paged through the adventure. And I think I was kind of put off at the time and didn't read very much further because there were so many examples of how to do things in a certain scene. And then they had these excerpts of how, well, this is how we played the scene. And I don't think I went any further because I just went, oh, well, this is going to be a waste of time. And not completely understanding that's exactly what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be an introduction for a new game master and players, and therefore they're giving you this stuff. Now, since then, people like Mike Herman and a couple of other people have uh, gone off and said, this is a really great adventure. You know, you really should take a look at it. I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah, whatever. I get time, I'll take a look at it. I got other things to do. I finally went off and took a look at it. It's an excellent adventure. I don't know. Have you, have you read it, Daniel? Are you going to throw it on? I'm sorry, say again? Which one? Freedom for Eden, the adventure yeah. that comes in there. Okay, that is an excellent adventure. It is well-paced. It's got really good introductory things going on. Um, it, it explains how to do interpersonal skills. It explains how to do combat. It shows how to do vehicle. It introduces interesting, possibly recurring bad bad guys. It helps you establish a possible rebel cell. It, it, I mean... There's 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 tracking across the wilderness. There's speeder bikes and speeder vehicles, and it's it's a great adventure. I I cannot believe that it's taken me this long to go off and take a look at it and realize 
how good it is. My my girlfriend wants us to go to Dragon Con in Atlantic And I don't want to go to run a Star Wars in six game. And uh, I was thinking it's either going to be that or one of the uh, lost scenarios from Peter Schweigerfer. Well, I Peter would like that as, as sort of just a nod because that's what he created those for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That would be really kind of... That in the introductory thing, but, you know, or Freedom for Eden or Dawn. I'd like that. Well, I can tell you this much. I can give you my notes and stuff like that for the first episode, which actually mm-hmm. brings it off to a nice conclusion. I mean, it's got a nice area that you can stop and it ran in like three hours. Sweet. Well, two and a half to three hours. So I don't, I don't know how much, how long the time slots are. So the, so the girlfriend wants to go to a con. Yep. Well, I mean, she's been, I've never been. Uh, she's a cosplayer. Uh, you know, she wants to. Oh, so there you go. Yeah. Just, the dungeon temptress, huh? Oh yeah. And, you know, she's, she's, a, she's a nerd like I am. Whoop. Nerd, nerd alert, nerd girl alert. Nerd, nerd girls are girl. hot. <laughs> nerd girls are hot, man. Why do you think they have all those uh, um, gentleman clips where the young lady is wearing glasses and being all nerdy? Gentleman clips. <laughs> I'm just saying, gentleman clips. I don't, I don't know. What do they call them now? I mean, we're still trying to keep that PG rating or PG 13 rating, right? You know, another good one to, to run would be that conversion of escape from Los Angeles. I've run that probably about three times, and there are just it's it's not a bad one, but there are just some not so much continuity issues, but there's just sort of a flow issue at certain points in the game. Uh, it is definitely meant to be a railroad, but it just seems like it's really hard to get it off the ground at the beginning. Even though you've explained, if, even if you give her pre-gens mm-hmm. and stuff like that, it just seems like people have a real hard time grasping that they're running from Timo, mm-hmm. that they that they want to get out of town, that it's a small town. It seems to be really hard to, to establish connection with those characters, even though they have them established right there on the, uh, the backgrounds. And then there's a couple of places throughout the game where um, one scene does not really flow into another scene very well and even though the scenes themselves are fairly decently crafted they just seem to sort of fall flat i don't know you you've taken part in those haven't you or have you just read them i've read through them um and i think in my opinion that the whole concept of an introductory adventure is to railroad the players. You're not making it sandbox because, well, if you give them too many options right out the bat and you've got a new player on your hands, how are they going to be able to handle it? Uh, look at the introductory adventure and uh, uh, let's just pull the one that's in, in the books. Uh, Pirates of Pretiar. It's pretty much railroaded right out the box. It, it, it's it's a gateway. That's how I see those introductory adventures. And a gateway, well, as everybody knows, there's only one way into the gateway. So mm-hmm. that in itself 
leads to railroading. And, you know, that I have no qualms against railroading in an introductory sense, but if I've got an established group and I want to continue on past said introductory adventure, yeah, it's going to get open pretty quick. Yeah, I know that you're you're more of a sandbox player, and mm-hmm. I don't, I've said this before in the past. And I, you know, game mastering is tricky, and I honestly believe to get the feel that you want from the movies and the cartoons and stuff like that to get that in a Star Wars game, I believe there has to be a certain amount of railroading. And mm-hmm. I've said this in the past; I'll say it again. You know, railroading is not a bad thing. It really kind of comes down to the way the game master themselves presents it. And this is sort of a an interesting thing that mo- a lot of GMs do not have this in their toolbox because it comes from experience. Um, but if you can reach in your toolbox and pull out the um, pr- the idea, I mean, the way that you present the adventure and how you present up the ideas and, and sidetracks and stuff like that, you give the illusion of free will. And I think that that is a, in, a tool that a lot of game masters would, would really benefit from um, learning or strengthening. Uh, and again, I, you know, if you're telling a story, I, I think you almost have to have a, a certain amount of railroading or, or the story just does not go off. The, the way that you have planned and i get that there's some sort of there, there is a draw towards the improv fly by the seat of your pants i have a certain number of things penciled out in this area all right and and there's and there's a certain sort of uh draw as a player to those sort of things as well i don't believe that those those fly by the seat of your pants even though they are enjoyable from an improv sort of way and it's kind of nice for the game master too because if he can think on it if he's a type of person that can really think on his feet and come up with some additional ideas and stuff like that and and do it it's exciting you know it's very exciting for the game master as well as for the players but have you ever really had sort of a fly by the seat of the pants adventure that was epic I mean, it really had that epic feel to it. Now, I've gone back and taken a look at my experience, and that's not to say that it's the same as someone else's, but have the game sessions been enjoyable? Yes. Did they have far-reaching, really interesting impact on background and story and stuff like that? Not so much. No, no. Um, it's, It's good for the player to feel that they're they have a choice and that that choice affects the entire scenario, but in the end, you're going to end up running into scripted scenes and a little bit of railroading, just so that the players can understand that they're as they are part of a story. They are not necessarily the story. They're playing roles in it, and and that's how I saw my last big campaign was um, at the end of each session or each story arc the players would see the end results of their choices so your players are playing roles so uh cheddar biscuit or ciabatta cheddar biscuit aka there you go man 160 calories per biscuit at red lobster chew 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 biscuit aka biscuit yeah, there you go. Those crumbs in his uh, coat are pretty rough. 
So anyway, that's pretty much what I got going on. So uh, we both have books on the horizon. You've got Rebel Season Two. Yep, Rebel Season Two. We found a uh, a layout person. They're working on it. I believe they're up to chapter fourteen, which is going to be um series chapter 13 or 14 which i believe is the last chapter and then we need to sit down finalize layout and uh, i think we're going to change up the uh the wraparound cover i the cover that they have right now it's okay um i'm just i'm not happy with it so we're going to be doing something different with that um so the plan is that uh finish up uh star wars droids um peter and i are going to hopefully finish that up i have been a i've started working on the rogue one uh galaxy guide uh, peter's also been working with me with that as well dean maggle uh has approached me and has expressed a great deal of uh interest in that he's doing a lot of uh research on that in fact it's kind of funny because i've already gone off and i mean the big thing is there's a lot of species that appear that uh, we have no basis for a background or anything like that. Uh, another thing we got going on is there's a number of pieces of equipment that uh, we don't really have any information on, like some weapons and stuff like that, as well as background information on the uh, the death troopers, uh, which seem to be um, based loosely on the, I think it is what the, no, they're not death commandos. Yeah. Is it death commandos? No, uh, Galaxy of Fear, uh, the book series. Those death troopers are. Uh, it, it's rumored. I have no official word on it, but they are. They are infected with the virus written about in the Galaxy of Fear series. They are. Uh, I shudder at this. The zombies. Right. Well. I, I believe well there is the, I think there is death commandos or star commandos something like that there's there's like the special forces stormtrooper things I can't remember what they are off the top of my head shadow but anyways tro- shadow troopers that could be they they have like a special black armor and stuff like yeah, that yeah that's not those well I'm just saying but I mean the the information we do have at this point is that they are very highly trained. And that the only people that they're given to are grand admirals, I think is what I saw, which kind of, you know, makes me wonder why they're uh, with Krennic, why, why Krennic has mm-hmm. uh, these death troopers with him on, uh, I can't remember, the, I can't remember the opening planet. Scarif. No, no, the opening planet when they first go off and see Galen and Rogue One. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Though I do believe I'm I'm reading the novel right now, and I'd have to go back and double check it. But they don't actually I don't I can't remember in the the prologue if they actually name them as being death troopers. But I do remember that the description was the white and black armor. So in the book, I believe they have regular stormtroopers. In the movie, they have the death troopers. Mm. And so, I mean, that's the only thing. I mean, the, the death troopers also have, I mean, they got like a flamethrower weapon and so on and so forth. They're, they're really kind of like, uh, uh, what is it? The, the New Order stormtroopers, mm-hmm. kind of like that. I wonder if there's going to be sort of like a, a bit of a cross between those. We'll have to see. Did you mean First Order? But First Order, order not New Order. Yeah, that's right. That, that'd be the Illuminati. So woo, get your tinfoil hat out. For Nord. 
I am working on a galaxy guide on scoundrels and gamblers. I, um, the original project came to us through a third party. Uh, it looked like an aborted book. Uh, it had a chapter and a half written in it. And it is a slog. I've, I, I rewrote the the original information for the most part uh, adjusted for some off grammar and misspelled mis words and I'm picking up from there that the, the thing I'm running into right now is trying to I guess capitalize on somebody else's established work uh, no one seems to know the real or has any contact with the original authors of this book. Wait a minute. Uh, I, thought we, I thought we had contact with one. I don't. Well, uh, I mean, we we have somebody that's been or has spoken with the person that supposedly was the last one to have that document. Yeah. And, I, and I believe there's been some communication back and forth. I don't know if that person is at a position in their life where they're, you know, they're willing to go back and pick up the the mantle on this that's neither here nor there to me the, the thing is is that I'm, I'm trying to I don't want to make it too much of a departure from the original writing without having to just go back through and write everything over again um, on the same token there was not much in the way of notes uh, there, there was some notes attached to the book but they were they were unrelated to the first two chapters. Now it's going to pick up pace a little bit because these notes are from chapters three and onward, and, and it helps. Um, I don't know when this book will be finished. I don't see a. Uh, a, a I want to set goals for it. On the same token, I also want to run a game and make <laughs> more recordings. Uh, but it's it, it's out there. It's getting worked at, and uh, 2017 is proving to be off to a good start, Star Wars wise. Well, I tell you what, we've got a lot on the horizon. We've got the, uh, yeah, like I said, we got the Rogue One book going. We've got the Star Wars Rebel One book. I'm sorry, Rebels Two going. We'll be working on Star Wars Rebel Three, um, which is kind of I'm, I'm kind of keeping up to date with it. I'm, I'm a couple of episodes behind um, on conversions. Um, so we got those. Of course, I, there's been no forward movement on the episode seven source book because there's just there's no information. And I'm I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, how come we have so much information available for Rogue One? Um, and yet we don't have all that much uh, information available for The Force Awakens. Even if you go off and take a look at the visual guide. All right. The the visual guide for Rogue One is much bigger and holds a lot more information than The Force Awakens. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to bash too much on uh, Episode 7, which, by the way, I really don't particularly like. Um, I finally have come to that conclusion. The more and more I watch it, the worse and worse it gets. Um, I'm sure that there's going to be some other people out there that are going to tell me that I'm absolutely nutters. And that's fine. You know, that's that's good. We can all, you know, talk about something and disagree and not, uh, not flip the table and get angry. 
but for me, I don't particularly, I don't think it, it holds up very well. And I think a lot of it comes from, I just don't feel very connected to the background. The background, you know, it's Star Wars. It has a Star Wars feel to it and stuff like that up to a point. But there's really sort of, a, I feel, a real disconnection. Whereas with Rogue One, because uh, the director just really took, uh, took it to town. There are so many Easter eggs in that movie that relate to um, episode four. Um, I mean, it's got Red Leader. It's got Gold Leader. I saw those guys. I was like, oh, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, and CGI Tarkin and CGI Leia. And I mean, just I mean, the list goes on and on. Plus, there's um, at least three or four uh, Star Wars Rebels Easter eggs in it. Uh, they were really pretty cool as well. So they're, they're tying that together. Which kind of brings me back to uh, another thing I wanted to kind of discuss with you. I've been hearing rumors and I don't know. I mean, like I said, they're just rumors that Star Wars Rebels three is going to end with season three. That they're you know they're going to get up to that point where it meets Rogue One, and it's going to end. I have no idea. I have I have to do a little more research on that. I find it a bit. If they did do that, I'd find it a bit surprising. But also on the same token, they have had the beginning and ends of all of these characters plotted out for a long time. They know where every one of those characters in star Wars rebels is going to end when it's all over and done with mm-hmm. that. That's been established. So I don't know. I mean, we this season, if you've taken a look at the, uh, the mid season trailer for season three, there are some interesting things. I mean, it looks like I can't tell if it's a, if it's a force ghost or a force vision, but we got Obi-Wan. You know, looking like he looks like on Tatooine and him and Maul having a face-off. Um, you know, there's there's been a lot of speculation. I don't know. So have you been keeping up at all with the comic books or the, the novels at all? No. No? Oh, bad Daniel. Bad Daniel. I mean, I understand 2016 was a crappy year for, well, for me too. You know? But you gotta, you gotta get your Star Wars fix, brother. You gotta get it, get it, get it, got it. <laughs> uh, I did read, I read at Aftermath. I think Ooh. it was the last Star Wars book I read. I keep trying to go back and read Aftermath too, man. I'm just, I'm having, oh, it's so hard. The first one, I mean, and you and I have discussed this on a previous podcast. I mean, Aftermath one, I just could not, I could not read the book. The only way I got through it, and again, this is just me personally. I'm not trying to bag on anybody out there that really liked it. But the guy's way of writing uh, just is so hard for me. I actually had to use the audiobook, And I know of at least two other people that felt the same way. And then on the opposite side, I also know someone that, uh, that read the book and just thought it was just, just totally awesome. I believe that was Josh Mannon. And, uh, you know, from the conversations I've had with him, he loves Aftermath. He's, he's just like, oh, my God, Aftermath, blah, blah, blah. And that's, and that's fine. I'm glad that he found some joy in it. For me, I think it had uh, it has some really interesting information in it, helping to bridge that gulf between Return of the Jedi and then um, I believe it's up to six, not quite six years up before uh, Force Awakens because I, apparently now they've established that's when Luke – kind of takes off and they establish the uh, the new rebellion or whatever they're calling it, the resistance now. Uh, 
and that's, I guess that's when Kylo takes off and blah, 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 ad nauseum. Uh, but anyways, getting back to this, Aftermath 2, Life Debtor, whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't get through it, man. I just I cannot freaking get through it. <laughs> I can't. Now I've I've read Dark Apostle, which actually turned out to be really, really good. Um, which basically that's about Asajj Ventress and uh oh I can't remember the 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 one Jedi that's he's more like a gray Jedi. He's got like this, he's got dreadlocks and he's got like the yellow band across his face. Oh, um, Oh, my, my brain is completely gone. That he was mentioned in uh, the Clone Wars series. Yeah, well, I mean, anyway, he, those are the two main characters in there. And uh, even though I'm uncomfortable with uh, some of the themes that are presented there, because the basically the theme is this. I mean, this book has been out long enough. I don't think I'm going to give anything away. The book is basically... Dooku is just, you know, em- really embracing the Sith philosophy of total war. Um, you know killing civilians, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know, really forcing the Jedi to get their hands dirty. The Jedi council comes to the conclusion that the only way to end this, this, this really bad stuff that's going on in the galaxy is they have to assassinate Dooku, not kill him, but assassinate him. Got to remove him from the chessboard. And I was just really kind of uncomfortable with that. And I do believe I think Obi-Wan was one of the very first people in the council who said, no, nah, no, nah, you know, we, we, we're, we're Jedi, you know, we end up going down this path, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Yoda, who spends all of like, you know, 10 seconds in heavy meditation with the Force, decides, yes, yes, killing me must, you know. And so they go off and they know that this is going to basically spiritually scar whatever Jedi they send to go do it. So they pick this guy and then they say, well, oh, by the way, you know, you should go probably hook up a massage. Because she's been, she's got a big thing to kill him, and has tried to assassinate him a couple times. You know, uh, you know, the friend of my enemy, or the enemy of my friend is my, or, or friend, blah, blah blah. Enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. But Quinlan Voss. Yes, Quinlan Voss. That's his name. I like, I like Quinlan Voss. I was one of uh, Ostringer's, John Ostringer's first characters he made in, uh, I think it was Star Wars: The Old Republic or something like that. Car- uh, comic for Dark Horse. But uh, it's really interesting what they do with the characters. I mean, uh, I like the expansion of the character of Quinlan Voss. I really like the the expansion of uh, Asajj. Mm-hmm. Or is it, yeah, Asajj Ventress. Very, it was good. I enjoyed it. I mean, it's, it's not your, your standard Star Wars fare. Uh, not everybody's going to like it. Uh, but... I tell you what, that book book has actually gotten me sort of excited to read Ahsoka, which I haven't read. I've had it for a couple months now, but I haven't had a chance to read it because uh, I've been so engrossed in Rogue One background material uh, and Catalyst, and I'm trying to remember the other book that I was I was looking at. But anyways, that's what we so, got going on there. So the Ahsoka books that uh, take place from after the time she leaves Coruscant. It's my understanding that it's from the time she leaves Coruscant to leading up to Rebels. Wow. I believe. I, I, I don't know. But, I mean, it's not a very big book. So, I mean, apparently she didn't do anything very exciting. Well, delay. Uh, we'll see. 
Which sort of brings us back around. You know what? There's There's been this big debate over, is she dead or is she not? I think she's toast. I think she's both. I, I think she's a force ghost at this point at, at best or, or something of those of that nature, just because there's been so much foreshadowing with um, the camera, the, the creatures that follow people around and you never really get a clear, clear picture of her. And not only that, it's like, you know, let's, let's face it. What, what represents Vader's last connection to the person he was? Osaka. Yeah. You know, if he's going to move forward as as the Lord of the Sith, as you know, on his on his journey to the dark side, you know, he needs to put that to rest. So, I mean, it just to me, I, there's been a lot of people. Oh, no, she didn't die. You know, he just he let her live. And I'm like, OK, why? Why would he have let her live? Why? I mean, other than just wishful fanboy thinking on your part and not wanting it to be so. Where does it enter into the overall stuff of everything that we know about him thus far? Why does she live? No one can really answer that. So she's not dead. No, okay, great. Wishful fanboy thinking. Here's your Kool Aid. <laughs> um, an interesting thing came up, and I want to discuss this in closing. We had a, a piece of equipment highlighted on the Google Plus community the ACH helmet. And given the environment and how we uh, we handle content creation, you know, there's no real type of authentic authorship anymore because we really can't patent or uh, sell or copyright any of the things we make. Well, when this helmet was brought into highlight two different people claimed authorship of, of the item and that got me to thinking in an environment where you know everything is online most of your content is for public consumption if someone were to quote unquote steal it, how would you handle it? Now, I have the idea in my head of a database of authorship. Um, you know, a um, a spreadsheet, I guess, would be the best format to put it in, where authors can establish credibility and you know state this is mine i created it uh credit me if you ever share it so on and so forth uh i think it would help establish a legitimate mind to keep conflicts like this from arising is we want everyone to get along now that being said i don't i can't see it applying to any past material short of maybe dawns of mine because well i, I can i can legitimately establish that don has created something <laughs> and he can do the same for me. 
but with other people is different given in, in the discussion being the prime example of that. I don't know how long ago Dean made this item. I don't know if this other guy developed this item. I can't, you know, I, 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 I have to remain, remain completely impartial in it. Um, but there's no proof from either side. And I don't want to see lines drawn in the sand by people who become overzealous about their content. On the same token, I also don't want to see an iron curtain fall down on people creating content because they're afraid that someone else is going to slap their name on it instead and try to push it onto the website. Well, if I can weigh in on this, one, I, I think keeping a, uh, a list of creators is probably a bad thing. Um, I, you know, when, when you're dealing with a property and you're not sure how people want to pursue it, I don't think having all your eggs in one basket so that they can nuke it if they want uh, is, is a very good idea. Um, but I do understand it, and I and I, I I get the wish of 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 trying to establish you know ownership of creative material. Um, I just don't think it's really practical in this sense. I mean, think about it. I mean, if if I if we kept a database of everything that I have created, I mean, and I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. I'm not trying to be egotistical. I'm just saying that'd be a lot of things, and that's just one person. And I'm not the only person out there that's developed a lot of content. There's a lot of other people that have done, um, you know, probably as much. In this case, I think things actually went off pretty well. Uh, what it was is I, I got these stats um, off from a site by, uh, I think it's uh, Mason Petty. All right. And mm-hmm. I, when I redid them and format them and put them on, you know, in the, in the format that I put and shared with the community, I had assumed that everything there, I mean, that was sort of the impression I got. And I should have followed up on my end. Just to make sure, I thought that all of the content that was presented on that page was uh, Mason's. So when I put it down in the, in, in the sources as Mason Petty, Dean Maggle, um, who runs the website, I think it's called Loris. Um, you know, he's got a, a pretty long-standing game that he's been running there. Uh, he approached me and said, "Hey, just so you know, I you know that's that's mine." And I went, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know anything about it." Um, you know, I I am the one that that. Uh, you know, cited that source, but I did get it from this place. I can put you in contact with that person. And I said, you know, look, the community has nothing to do with this. All right. You know, you guys need to hammer out, but I was sort of in there from the beginning to end of that conversation. And you know what? Everybody was really, really good about it. And I'm not going to say that that's going to be how every situation plays itself out, but this is, we've been running this community now for what going on four years. Yeah. Four or five years. now. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the first time something like this has ever come up. As far as I know about content, yeah, it's, so, it is a, it is the first time I've seen it out in the open like this, right? So, anyways, I mean that was that was as much you know I have to share in some of that, uh, you know, setting up that whole situation as well. I mean, if I had been a little more diligent on my end to make sure that everything was cited correctly, um, you know, would have been would have never happened, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, but, I. I I, I can also understand your your thoughts concerning the database. You're right. Uh, that would be nothing more than a pile of names to. Yeah, that would just be if if anything. I mean, at this point, I think the Disney or or the mouse, all right, is very happy with us just kind of off doing our own thing, and we're not hurting FFG. 
I mean, we're not taking any content away from them. We're not taking any of the any of their players or, or you know, people are investing in their system. You know, we're sort of sh- sharing the same pond. We're at the edge. We're really not splashing around in the deep end. And I think at this point, everybody's, you know, everybody is aware of each other. FFG is aware of us. And I would assume that uh, the mouse is, 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 a, is sort of peripherally aware of us because of their relationship with FFG. Nothing has ever come of it. Um, it's been over a year now. Um, but by the same token, I, you know, keeping a complete list of names of contributors and, 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 and IP and, and stuff like that just seems to me like it, why make it more of a tempting target? Why, why paint yourself in bright colors if you don't want the tiger to eat you? Oh yeah. 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 I get it. I do. Uh, that's just my view we have to, we have to, uh, we've got to, or at least me, have to be more aware that, yeah, we could get slapped with a lawyer stick pretty quick. We could. And you know what? And I appreciate that uh, FFG and uh, the mouse both have at least up until this point decided to kind of let us go do our own thing. Cause you know, we're, we're really not, I mean, we've said this over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, we, we believe very strongly in the system, um, but it is not the only system out there. Um, and we're certainly not trying to take away from them. There's, there's a plenty of content out there. It's a big IP. There's, you know, no one's getting paid and, and we enjoy doing it. So everybody can have fun. So I think that's about all I've got, Daniel, at least for this week. For this week. Anyway, um, we'll be working up some more and it's going to be a little more structured next go around, but we were so excited to get the show back going again. We just wanted to, make this one a little more free form <laughs> structure who needs it <laughs> who needs it on behalf of shooting want rats i'm daniel i'm done may the force be with you as always be good to your pets and your family have a great weekend bye-bye <laughs>